0: and to the board for giving me the opportunity to really speak my heart. Uh, uh, This message is just, this has been on my heart ever since day one of coming here. Um, The cross is something that gets me excited. There's some things like trucks get certain people excited. uh, Guns get other people excited. The cross is something that it seems like there's endless, endless hours I could talk about the cross of Jesus and primarily it's because of what the power of the cross holds in it the message of the cross and what God's done in my life. And so there's a, there's a lot there, but it's hard to, it's hard to take all that, that drive and that, that love of this message that he's alive and, and, and powerful inside of us and put it into 45 minutes. And so um, bear with me as we get going. I, I want to tell you where we're going, but my sermon, my sermon title is A Resurrected Relationship. The, the idea is the, the man holding the Son is not God the Father, God the Son. It's, we, I, I, my heart is, it's God holding us. And ever since the beginning of time, God's wanted a relationship with us. And, and I wanna just, I, I wanna tell you where we're going. The, the three points that I'm, I wanna just cover is, the cost of sin is death. My second point is Jesus offers a relationship with God and count the cost of that relationship. This is where we're going with this message. I don't want you to, to think, oh, you know, I've, I have began a relationship with God, so none of these apply to me. Uh, a relationship with God will never, uh, will, you will never arrive even in heaven. When we get to heaven, we'll have all of eternity to learn more about an infinite God. And so, so try to take this message and say what can I learn and how, how am I falling short and how can I get better? How, how does God want to express himself to me and, and, and grow your relationship with God? And some of us might not have a relationship with God. And so you can take these, these points very literally. Very, this, is, this is the word of God. The word of God is not going to fail you. This is truth. And, and so I want to, I pr- actually I'll read the text and then we will, then, I'll, uh, then we'll get going here. In John chapter 14, this is um, actually during the communion, during the Last Supper, Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples. He's saying, I'm not going to leave you as orphans prior to his death. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Jesus wants to offer you a relationship today. I'm going to pray and we're going to get going. Jesus, again, thank you for this time that we can just open up your word. Lord, I pray that we don't just become hearers of your word, but doers. Holy Spirit. Have, you have full access to this room, God. I pray that you convince our hearts, God, of the truth of this message, God, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Lord, I thank you again in advance for what your, your plans are for each individual here, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We cannot let him go on like this. He'll destroy everything we've worked for. Whether this man is a sinner or not, I don't know. All I know is that I was blind, but now I can see. Why didn't you obey your orders and arrest him? Because no one ever spoke the way this man does. What charges are you bringing against this man? He's a blasphemer and a criminal! Crucify him! Why? What evil has this man committed? Crucify him! Give them what they want. A crown of thorns for the king of the Jews. (laughs) Stretch him out. How can he save others when he can't even save himself? Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Please, God, don't take my son, please. He's dead. Get him down. Let me take the body. Please, he he needs a proper burial. He wasn't the savior we thought he was. What now? It's over? he's not he's not still dead Uh, he is alive and well and uh, I want to share a little bit about um, this message of of how we're even here why sin is in the world why bad things happen kind of want to bring this all to a a point and and you know I'll I'll be honest with you for a lot of years my childhood I didn't believe this message Uh, God never had made it real to me in my heart but he eventually did, when I was about 17 years old, it, be, it all clicked, it all became real. And I wanna, I wanna just remind you that today, Jesus offers you a relationship, every single one of you. And to those who have started one, he offers you one that's even more real and more deep. And so my first point, we're talking about the cost of sin is death. Um, in the beginning, uh, there was light and darkness. God created, God created everything. and and ever since ever since the world was created, uh, I guess ever since light and darkness was created, uh, God has valued relationships. We're talking about God, I'm talking about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the three persons in one nature, complete unity, complete perfect relationship. Every everything that one decides, they all decide. It's one person, one uh, nature is what we're talking about. One of the angels. Uh, God created. God created the heavens. He's created angels. That's where they're at right now, uh, and, and for those who believe, that's where we're going to go when we're when we're gone here on earth. But one of the things uh, God created was was an angel, and his name was called Lucifer. Okay, Lucifer. Uh, he was. Uh, he had to. He. I guess God appointed him. He was ordained by God as a guardian. And in Ezekiel twenty eight fourteen, it says, "You are anointed." As a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God, and uh, you walked among the fiery stones. Uh, so Lucifer was kind of a big deal in heaven. He was, he was. I mean, he had special jobs and di- different things that God set him up. We don't know how long he was serving in heaven um, before, before his little issue. Uh, Lucifer, his, the issue I'm talking about is Lucifer eventually became... Um, very proud of who he was in heaven. He was very thrilled with who he was and his, his splendor. And in, in Ezekiel 28, 17, again, it says, your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. In Isaiah 14, 13, it says, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. Okay, so Lucifer, uh, in his heart, he's really, I mean, it's it's He's, he's not killing anyone, he's not, he's not stealing, he's, he's just proud, he's, he thinks he's pretty hot stuff, and he's, he thinks, I'm going to raise my throne above the stars of God. But see, here's the thing, we don't want to, I don't want to say something that's not there, but God never changes, and broken relationships always hurt God, it always will, and God, uh, God was betrayed by Lucifer. Uh, Lucifer, uh, he, he was one of the angels that betrayed God's trust, and because of that, uh, we see in in, in uh, Romans six twenty three, it says, "For the wages of sin is death." See, the word of God never changes, ever. It, it, it's forever an amen. And if if Lucifer committed pride to God, that is a sin. And it says for the wages of sin is death. See, when we go to work, we get a paycheck because that's what we've earned. When we when we break one of God's laws ever once, even even to be proud once, we have now just earned the paycheck of death. And it's not maybe, it's not a suggestion, it's not something that might happen. It's it's imminent and it's going to happen. And that's that's the problem that humanity faces overall. See, Lucifer has earned death, so God has to remove, has to remove Lucifer from his presence. He says, I I can't have you, you've broken my laws, and he's a just God, so he has to give him justice. Isaiah 14, 12 says, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. God threw Lucifer to the earth, And later he became known as Satan or the devil. He's our adversary. And we're going to cover why he's our adversary. Why why is he even, I mean, what has he got against us? In Genesis 1 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And shortly after uh, he was made, God made a woman, and Adam named her Eve. So the first man ever to walk the planet was Adam. The first woman to ever walk the planet was Eve. And, and God, lived, God lived in a garden that he had created for them, and it was called Eden, and he, he, he loved them. I mean, it, the Bible actually talks about how God walked with them, and I'm sure they, they laughed and joked and hung out, and everything that you and I enjoy doing, I'm sure that the, the God and, and man, Adam and Eve, enjoyed doing. One of the things that, uh, that God... Uh, told man to do, right off the bat, is get to work. And so he gave Adam a job to take care of the garden. You know, he named all the animals, but he, he said, take care of the garden. And uh, and so he was doing that. One day, Satan, uh, uh, Satan or let me back up just a second. One of the things Adam was to do um, With with tending the garden is to to watch out for two trees right in the dead center of this garden. The two trees. The first one is called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Then the second tree was called the tree of life. The law that God set up for Adam and Eve is don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Uh, because if you do, if if you break my law, the the rules never change. You're gonna die, for the wages of sin is death. What you get when you sin is you're gonna die. That's just so, so um, Satan. One day, Satan um, came to into, into the garden, and he was in the form of a snake, and he begins to tempt Eve, the woman, about uh, eating from this tree that they're not allowed to eat from. He says, "Well, you know, God didn't really mean that he, you're going to die. What he meant was, you know, you're you're gonna, you know, you're just going to become wise, and God doesn't want that because then he'll feel kind of, you know, he'll be." kind of intimidated, essentially is what he's saying. He didn't say it word for word, but it's what he's kind of saying. And Eve, it says in the Bible that she looked at the fruit and saw that it was pleasing to the eye and so she took a bite of it. Later on, Adam, she gave some to Adam and and, and he took it. And so, so, Satan deceived her and, and she deceived Adam. She convinced Adam to disobey. You know, the moment Adam ate from that fruit. It wasn't, it wasn't until after Adam ate. The moment after Adam disobeyed God's law, they felt something they've never, ever felt before. They felt guilt, and they felt shame. I remember I, I was homeschooled most of my life, and I grew up, and, and, and there, was, there was little packets uh, each each month or two, you'd get a different book that you had to work on. At the end of the book, was, it was a self-test. And what, basically what it was is just preparing you for the real test. So I remember getting through my booklet and working on my uh, self-test. And I got to the point where, man, I don't, I don't even have a clue what this answer is. And I started thinking, you know, do I want a better grade? Or, you know, do, man, maybe I should just look back in the book and see the correct answer. And so I went back and forth. I knew it was wrong, obviously, because I wouldn't ha- be having the question of whether I should do it or not. And eventually I gave in. I said, yeah, I'll, I'll look. Second, I lifted up the page to look bad. My dad walks into the room, and I remember looking at him and instantly shedding it, and he walks in and he said, what were you just doing? And I said, and I, I, I couldn't say anything. I mean, I was caught red-handed, and my head was down, and, and I was just like, oh, man. I felt real guilt and real shame because really... Isn't it interesting, I wanted to please my parents by getting good grades, but you see how sometimes temptations get twisted? They're out of order? That's what happened to Eve. See, they're feeling guilt and shame they've never felt before. So here's the real problem. Adam and Eve broke God's law. And because of that, they were shamed by their nakedness. When, When God created them, they didn't have any clothes on because the reason why we get, we're clothed is because we're ashamed to be naked so that if people look at us, well, we feel shame. Before then, I mean, Elijah can walk around church, he can walk around Walmart, my house with a diaper on and it doesn't faze him, <laughs> doesn't even bother him. And so it was very similar to Adam and Eve, they were just like, well, but the second that they sinned, they felt guilt and shame because of their nakedness and so um, shame and guilt oftentimes are always followed they're a byproduct of sin. And, and like I said, for the wages of sin and death, so now, okay, little problem, big problem developing for Adam and Eve. They've just violated God's law. they are only two people on the planet, and now they have to die. For the wages of sin is death, they will never, ever, ever, like Lucifer, be able to have a relationship with God again. Never. Now, like, if God is just, perfectly just, they cannot have a relationship with God. And thankfully, God, God, is, God is standing. Uh, God is eternal, so God knows everything. It's incredibly difficult for our finite minds to wrap around. But, but you know, like in, in 100 years from now, we're going to be standing, uh, hopefully, on the side of eternity. And we're going to be there. But something to wrap your mind around just as a point of interest is, Jesus is already there, perfectly there. He's already experiencing then because he's past and future. And so, so we've got to remember, if God created man and he knows all, he would know that we'd sin. And so he, that was part of the plan. Not that, he, not that sin was part of the plan, but because God knew that we would sin, he already had the plan that, that was going to restore our relationship to him. And so what they did was they, they, they were naked and so they took these fig leaves and they tried to cover themselves up. You know, it's like pathetic, you know. And God comes and he says, you know, where were you guys? And, uh, and, and, you know, the whole blame game starts and God starts saying, okay, well, because you did this, there's different penalties. But at the end of it all, it says right in the word that God prepared skins for them. He prepared skins for them. So we've got to ask ourselves, where did those skins come from? We think that God probably took a lamb and cut its throat right in front of them to show them the consequence of, of their, their sin, death. And so, so we, that's what we think. We think that the, the skins they were wearing weren't just randomly. God says, let there be skins, boom. They, no, they had to see real payment for their, for their sins. And God, uh, you know, God allowed this, uh, the punishment uh, of human sins to be postponed or, or pushed back by killing animals in our place. That's, this, this, is, this is the pattern that God, said, God set up. So in, in Hebrews 9.22, it says, uh, the second half of it says, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. There cannot be forgiveness unless there's blood shed. Blood, you know, when uh, we had, every single time we messed up, we had to take an animal and kill it and symbolize that the sin was paid for. That's all that that was doing. When we killed that animal, we sacrificed it, that blood that was spilled, really kind of gross. But it's so, I mean, it's so, it shows you the seriousness of sin. But You'd, you'd cut the animal 's throat you 'd pour the blood out, and then that sin it symbolized that the sin was paid for, but we got to remember that it was just a symbol. it was not the payment. there was no payment when they brought sacrifice to God. it was only a symbol of the sin being paid for. So God set this up. this is the pattern okay when we sin, He postpones the the, the punishment uh, till later so Unfortunately, this has been going on uh, throughout time. I mean, all the way up till, you know, today. This this idea of of God tells us not to do something. not sacrifices, but but God telling us not to do something, and we still break His laws. He says, "Don't do this," and we do it. He says, "Don't lie," but some of us have, we lie so much we don't even know really what's true and what's not true. He says, "Don't commit adultery." He says, "Not even with your eyes." And yet, you know, we, we fill our lives with so much immorality, sexual immorality through DVDs. You know, we scroll through Facebook like it's normal. Like it's actually, this is what everyone does and there's no sin in it and, and this is okay. Uh, we, we scroll through YouTube and expect, oh, you know, the devil's not out to get us or, you know, there's no, not going to be any temptation there. Um, but, but the thing is, guys, it's everywhere. It is completely everywhere. I remember being a chaperone one year for children. Uh, very young children, and I remember, uh, I remember asking, the, uh, I can't remember how we got onto the top of, p- topic of it, but during the devotional time after the service, I asked the children, I said, which ones of you guys have dealt with this issue of looking on online, inappropriate pictures, or whatever? Every single hand went up. And we're starting at seven years old and above. I mean, it was, it was unreal, uh, the numbers. I, I remember for me, I uh, I got I got enslaved to that, that junk at a very early age, and God says don't do it, and I did it, and I knew that it was wrong, but I still kept doing it. And see, God's heart breaks when we do that, when we mess up, when we break His law. He says don't do this, and we do it. And 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 you know, He it, it doesn't break because He's disappointed, uh, primarily, but it breaks primarily because He realizes He's going to have to pay for that payment. And that payment is getting bigger and it's getting bigger and it's getting bigger and, and, and he's gonna have to pay for that. In John three sixteen it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, God loved us so much that he gave us his son, Jesus. He was born sinless. God had a perfect relationship with him. He was always obedient. Everything he, God asked him to do and in Luke 19.10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the law. That's his whole purpose, his whole, whole vision. That's what he, why he came. So how was he going to save us, the lawbreakers? You know, death, death was our consequence, and it is our consequence. Death had to be his, period. There's, you, can't, you can't substitute God's law. God, God's law is forever. And so, because, because he was always obedient to God, he was perfectly innocent. He could legally, it was a legal transaction that was happening. He was legally exchanging places with us. See, this is great news for us, but this is horrendous, terrible news for Jesus. And, and while on trial, uh, right before being crucified, uh, in Luke twenty-two seventy, 70, it says that they asked him, are you the son of God then? And he said, Yes, I am. You know, Buddha came to earth, Muhammad came to earth, Joseph Smith came to earth, but not one of them claimed to be God. But Jesus said, I am the son of God. We gotta remember that because uh, uh, that's who we're serving. That's who is alive. Uh, every one of those other ones that I named are not alive today. Um, not not in, in the sense of eternal life uh, with God. Jesus, Jesus here is claiming to be God's son. The reason why Jesus is crucified, uh, as you kind of heard, is blasphemy. Um, they said that uh, th- they said that you're not the Son of God, and he said, I am, and I testify of what I've heard, and 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 so they said, okay, well you're going, we're going to kill you then. And Jesus coming to Earth, and he's 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 living here now, and 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 he's living perfectly, and he's innocent, completely perfect. And he says, you know what? Uh, I love how that video says, you know, no one has authority over me. I lay down my life and I have the authority to take it back again. See, Jesus uh, was physically almost whipped to death. Uh, he was crowned with thorns and nails were driven into the wooden beams that held him up. Looked a lot like that. And there he was left to suffocate uh, to death. Uh, he's, he's been whipped 39 times and... And he's, he's left there to die. You know, the, the physical side of that is horrendous. I don't think any of us could ever go through that. But the spiritual side of it, the, the real terror and horror happened as he began to be crushed uh, and killed by the wrath of Almighty God. Because that's, that's the punishment of sin. For the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. Jesus is saying, I'm gonna die because that's what they deserve. I'm gonna take that. So in Romans 3.25, it says that God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. To be received by faith, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance or in his patient self-control, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Is Elijah in the building today can you maybe grab him for a second? I just wanna i want I just want you to see uh my son he's my he's my first he's just just now getting to the point now where he can walk. I don't know if he'll even try to do a trick for us here or not, but <laughs> he dressed up today, so I felt like you know what I need to make sure he doesn't outdress me and so probably still did actually um, but i want I want you guys to see a relationship. Uh, a son, a son that was innocent, perfectly innocent um, and and even Elijah, uh, as he 's getting older, uh, just yesterday we were having dinner, and just he didn 't he didn 't get the jelly bean, <laughs> and so he started screaming, he started squeezing his fists like this, and we wouldn 't give it to him, and he just got so mad, and even Elijah, being as young as he is, is bent towards sin, but Jesus never was, never ever he was perfectly uh, he was perfectly just submissive to the God. So this is Elijah. This is my son. He's a one-year-old. What's up, buddy? What do you think? What are you thinking about all this? <laughs> He's like, this is crazy. <laughs> okay, so this is Elijah. Let's see if he can do a little trick for you guys. Ready? See if he wants to walk to you. Think you can walk to mama? To mama? Yeah, okay. Okay, ready? Okay. Ready? He's like, lights. Go to mama. Go to mama. He's like, I'm just gonna have a seat and replace dad here. He's like, okay, yeah. (laughs) The the breath mints. Anything that rattles? I see him just for a second. It says in Isaiah 53, 10, that the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. The father was pleased to crush his son. You know, I don't don't understand that, and I don't know what the father could say to the son before that happened to, to offer any sort of any sort of uh, comfort other than to say, you know what, you've really messed up. You know what, I love you though and I love you and I love you. So why don't you take him and let me crush him so that justice can be served. That's what's happening here. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Elijah. So you got to ask yourself, why would, how in the world could he be pleased to crush his only son? How could he? Caiaphas, the high, high, one of the high priests, or he was a, he was a priest that year. I think actually his father-in-law Anus was a high priest, but Caiaphas was one of the other religious leaders, Pharisee, and he was he was prophesying. He prophesied that it is he said he said it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. See, Caiaphas actually uh, hated Jesus. He was one of the main instigators to get Jesus killed, but God still used him uh, to prophesy that it's better for one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. That's what the Bible says, you know? It's better that my son die than for all of you to die. It's, uh, you know, it's, you, you can't experience it until you truly have a son, until you understand You'd do anything for him. Anyone touches him, I will I will just protect him with my life. If I have to die, I'll you know, I die. That's the love between a father and son. Sometimes we forget that. For God so loved the word, He gave his only son, you know, it's so flippant. It's it's a memory verse that we learn in third grade. He it was a real payment though, and it really it really did cost him. And so around three PM on april third, thirty three AD, Jesus Christ of Nazareth is pronounced dead, and he is officially dead. There's no life in him. He is completely dead. Which leads me right into my second point. Jesus offers a relationship with God. Okay? John 14.6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only problem here is that Jesus is dead. So it doesn't matter what you said before the, resur- the, the resurrection if you're dead. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Luke 24, 1 through 8, let's read the account. It historically would have landed on today's date, by the way. I don't know if there's a little fun fact, but it's actually today's day. Easter. Easter goes back and forth, but um, but today is the day that he was raised. Luke 24:1-8 says, "On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleam like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while.'" He was still with you in Galilee. Um, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. See, the small little detail that the disciples forgot to mention or forgot to remember is that he wasn't going to stay dead. You know, the, the, the angel here says he is not here. He is risen. And, and can I tell you that all of Christianity stands and falls Stands or falls on that one, uh, that one sentence. That he has to be alive for us to even be here. He has to be. And, and, and he said right before he, he was going to die in verse 18, I'm not going to leave you. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 18, he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then in just a couple of verses later, he says, on that day you will realize that I'm in my Father and that you are in me and I am in you. So what does he mean by that? I think he's trying to say that on the day that I'm raised and you see me is the day that you're going to believe that all those claims that I am the way, the truth, and the life are real, and it's going to become real to you. And so it showed his followers, it showed the disciples, you know, and it shows us today that he indeed was the Son of God, that all his claims were true, that, that the sin of the world was paid for in full. So we, we had a, you know, before we had a relationship with, with, with the Father, Perfect relationship, Adam, Adam and Eve. Remember, those are the first humans, um, and that all started back in Eden. But because of sin, we haven't had a perfect, full relationship. And so, the title of my message today is that a resurrected relationship, meaning. Because Jesus was resurrected, he can now offer that same sort of relationship, a resurrected, a once-dead relationship that has now been made alive because of Jesus, because he's the one who made it alive. He is the life. But here's the problem. How in the world do we have a relationship with God? I mean, you know, who has seen Jesus physically in the last 24 hours? Who has seen Jesus in the last 48 hours, last week? Physically, in the flesh, how can we be certain that he's there? How do we have a relationship with him? Uh, you know, I think, I think one of the first things we got to do is we got to count the cost of a relationship with Jesus. Here's the thing. It's the same. You know, Jesus, Jesus is looking for a real commitment that is making him Lord of our lives. And we've used that and we've abused that term. But making him Lord of our lives. We let's look at what that is going to entail. I'm gonna just say this: being a Christian, a a, a Christian of the way, first century Christian, one that saw Jesus, and today, is the hardest calling on your life that you will ever have in your entire life. See, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say you come become a Christian, God's going to take away all your problems. I'm not going to say, you know, if if you become a Christian, you're going to have joy unspeakable and and you'll never, ever be sad another day in your life. No, being a Christian will be the hardest thing that you ever do in your life, ever. But it will be of the greatest reward. It will be by far of the greatest reward. So my, my third point is we've got to count the cost of that relationship. Count the cost of a relationship with Jesus. So suppose one of you wants to, Luke 14:28 says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundations and are, and are not able to com- finish it, everyone will see it and will ridicule you, saying that person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Counting the costs. So it's it's the, the commitment, let me first talk about the commitment. This is what the commitment is, making Jesus Lord. See, before life really revolved around us, if, if you're, before we were Christians, life really did revolve all the way around us. Everything we did, um, who we dated, who, um, what our next job was, that was all my choice. I could choose whatever I wanted. But see, when we become a follower of Jesus, uh, if he's not the perfect center of our life, he is not Lord of our life. Uh, we, what we need to be doing, what, uh, we need to ask ourselves. You know, how, how, you know, instead of instead of being like, well, you know, I, there was there's someone who had just asked me, or I asked this the other day. I said, you know, how's how's your relationship doing with the Lord? You know, how, are you spending any time in the Word or prayer? And they just kind of looked at me. You know, John, just being real, like, you know, I just just haven't really had the time to do that. You know, just it's just been tough. And let me tell you uh, that that is that is the if you don't have time for the Lord, he's not the center. A relationship is not making a, it's not saying a prayer one time and really meaning it. That's not what a relationship with Jesus is. A relationship is is a real ongoing relationship, like it is with your wife or with uh, your your husband or or with anyone that you're super close to. A relationship grows, and if it's not growing, it's not a relationship. And so, that's the first thing. We need to make Jesus Lord the center of our life. How can I get to know him better? Okay? And the second thing is, obviously, if, if you don't know him and if you've never made him Lord of your life, you need to repent of sin. Uh, again, the wages of sin is death. We've all messed up. We're, we're, all, we're all guilty. Uh, it even says in the Bible that if, if we say that we've never sinned, and I've heard people tell me this, oh, I, don't really got any, I don't really got issues. That we make God out to be a liar. That what he says in his word isn't true. No, it, everything in the Bible is completely true. See, here's the thing. In, in Romans 5.8, it says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God never waited for us to come to him. God paid a high price. He paid an incredibly high price for, for our freedom. So I don't, don't, don't feel like, um, don't feel like you have to you have to get your act all together and you have to be perfect. No, that's not what that's not what the word is about at all. But 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 God is God is saying you know repent, turn away from it. Don't keep doing things that hurt me. Do things that make me happy. Do, honor me. Have a relationship with me. Make it real. Uh, so again, God doesn't want you to clean up your act. Don't don't think don't think that you need to clean up your act before making a commitment. Uh, making him Lord of your life, and turning away from sin. Um, but he does want to help us clean it up a- along the way. Um, five years ago, I should look a little, bit, a little bit more worldly than I do today. Five years from now, I should, be, I should look a little bit better than I do today. And that's how our Christian lives are. We, we, we don't just go from uh, always sinning to never sinning overnight. It's this process that God, God wants to do in us. We can't do it on our, on our own, but he wants to do it. Uh, he wants to help us with it. A few weeks ago, uh, my dad, well, my mom and dad have been coming down often, uh, just getting us settled into our house, doing repairs, doing different things. They've been a great help, and uh, just doing repairs all the time. It seems like every, every week for a while there he was down, and, and uh, I just recently went down to their house just to hang out uh, just over during the, for the day or whatever and went down, hung out and he had bought a toilet he needed installed and believe it or not, the toilet was called a Huron toilet. <laughs> I don't know what that says about our city. I'm a little bit offended but I'll let that go. No, but he needed it installed and he never once asked me, can you, can you put this in? I went down there and I had already determined, I'm going to put that in for him. And it wasn't, it's not a attaboy, Jonathan, none of that, it's, I, I did that simply because I wanted to honor him. I wanted him to know that, hey, I appreciate all that you do for me. You do way more for me than I ever do for you, but thanks for, thanks for all that you do for me. Here, let me do, so when he got home from work, it was all done. And see, we need to focus our relationship with Jesus that way. How do we, how, what are we doing right now that's just honoring him, like, oh man, God is, like, like, we could surprise God, but you're just sitting there thinking, I cannot wait for God to, like, find this out. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna make him so happy. You know what I mean? That's how we gotta focus our relationship. But the problem is, we can't really find that focus if we don't turn to the word. The word has to be, as King David says, the light into our feet, the lamp into our path. That's how we get direction. The number one way that Jesus says, uh, if you wanna show me you love me, uh, if you want to show me you love me, you've got to obey me. That's the number one way. You can, you can uh, come to the altar and you can pray and you can weep. And guys, even now, some of you probably even feel a weight on your heart of sin that God's dealing with you in your life. But that means nothing until you start obeying God. It means nothing. Uh, because you know I, for, for 17 years, I, I felt guilt and I felt shame about what I was doing but it wasn't until I said, you know what, I want to make a commitment to make you Lord my life. And those, who, those of us who have made him Lord, I'm making him even more Lord of our life. Because we're still doing things, guys. I know, I know. We're still doing things that dishonor him. We're still, even with even grace, even with, with forgiveness and that we're covered by the cross, the blood of Jesus, God is saying, I want a deeper relationship with you. So on a scale from zero to 10, Ask yourself this, 10 being your spouse, zero being an acquaintance, what is your relationship like with, with our Redeemer? The, guy who, who, the, the God who, who took his son and, and cut his throat, who was crushed by him, and it pleased the Father to crush him. How, what's your relationship with him so that we can be here today and know that there is, that death cannot hold us. We can die, but, but we're gonna live again. What is your relationship like? Obedience, primarily. Uh, it's, to sum it all up, I know I'm running out of time, but to sum it all up, if you, want, if you want to obey God, you need to open up the Bible and you start reading it. Start reading it, start reading it, reading it. And, and the more you read it, the more it's going to get inside of you and it's going to start changing the way you see people, the way you see yourself the way you see ministry, the way you see your job. Because the word, the word always, it always is coming back doing work. In Philippians 2.12, it says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In Romans 8.5 and 6, it says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance, uh, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires, the mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So that's a lot of a that's a lot of churchy words right there. But let me just ask you practically, how is your mind set on what the Spirit desires? So we're gonna go home, we're gonna have we're gonna have lunch or supper or dinner, and, and Monday's gonna come. How is your mind practically desiring the same exact things that the spirit is desiring? Again, we have to go to the word because, because uh, the word separates emotion from reality. The, God will speak to our emotions. He will. But he will always speak through the word. Always. And, and through the word, you can start praying the word, making it, asking God to make it real to you. Just in closing here, I got a lot more I could say. The first thing I did after I, I, uh, I got saved is I told everyone about it. I was a messed up kid. I did not know Jesus. I was lost and I was lost and I was acting on what I was seeing. I was, I was, I was so um, blind, I couldn't see, spiritually I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. I was just living life. The first thing I did uh, when I became a Christian is I started telling everybody of my sin. This is a sin that I had hidden for 10 years. The day after, I'm telling everyone. I get home from camp, I'm telling my parents, Mom, Dad, you don't even know me. This is who I am. This is what Jesus has done in my life. Asking, I, I started telling my friends, like, I, I'm done, guys. I'm done with that. I'm done with this. Because God had done something in my life. I'd made a real commitment to him. And it's it's." Uh, salvation is kind of hard to illustrate, but a lot of times God refers to us, he refers to the, the church as his bride, like a groom and bride, like on wedding day. And the first thing, let me tell you, when I got married, uh, you know, we went on a honeymoon and enjoyed ourselves, but, but we were excited. I mean, we, we put it on Facebook. People were like, you're married awesome. You know, a thousand comments, pictures galore. Man, I'm proud. I'm proud. Life has changed for the better. I have a family now. I have a, a friend forever, a mate. She's always going to be with me, and I'm always going to be with her. Everything that she does, I do. Everything she, she eats, I eat, <laughs> you know, because she's making it. <laughs> Everything. Whatever she likes, I enjoy. Obviously, we have our differences and those complement each other, but, but practically speaking, it's a lot like this with God. We, we, we think, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to marry God. I'm going to, you know, for the bride of Christ, I'm going to take a ring. I'm going to walk down here to the altar with, with, with God. And I'm going to say, yeah, I, I, Jonathan Mullen, solemnly, you know, whatever, I, I love you. I will always cherish you. I'll always be with you till death do us part, whatever. Here, Jesus we put a ring on Jesus, we walk out the door, and we, we do this right into the trash can. Throw the ring off, and, and, and we, we're not proud of our marriage with him. We don't talk about him. It'd be like Heather and I getting married and then deleting my Facebook account. You know, if someone says, are you married? Just being like, uh, what? Yeah, well, kind of. Yeah, yeah, well, we're, we're married. God wants us to go above and beyond. He wants us to get real with people. And you know what? The gospel... Is foolishness to those who are perishing. That's what the Bible says. But for those who, who love Jesus, it says that it's the power of God unto salvation. If, if, if you guys, I mean, there's some of us here that have made a commitment to Him, and that's awesome. Uh, keep growing in it, keep growing out, keep throwing off sin, keep getting into the Word, keep testifying of who He is, your marriage before Him. But He just wants to ask you guys to, this morning, you know can you really put one of these on his ring finger? Can you, can you really put it on his ring finger? Because when we stand before God, there's not going to be any faking it. It's going to be real. And so, uh, I'll just close your eyes with me. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want to pray, prayer, and even offer a, a challenge to you guys. You know, some of us, like I said, have never made a commitment. We don't, we don't really, we don't know Jesus. We're, in fact, we're not even sure that he's even real. He is. He's completely real, and the Bible's completely true. I doubted for years. I thought it was all fake. I, I mean, I really did. I didn't think it was right. But I am, I am confidently certain that God is a God who saves, and whether we want to now or later, our knee will bow. And you know what? I'm gonna bow down asking Jesus someday, saying, Lord, I love you, I love you, do you remember the vows I made to you when I asked you to marry me? See, God wants you to have that intimacy with him. And, and now, if that, if that weirds you out, saying married, whatever, the, what, I'm, what I'm, my point is that, inti- that real connection, God wants that with you today. And the only way that we have life, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only, you know what everlasting life is? I mean, we go to heaven, we live forever, yeah. But everlasting life is exactly who he said he was. I am the way, the truth, and everlasting life. That's what he said, and that's what he meant. So, so there are people maybe that don't, don't know Jesus. With all, all your eyes uh, just closed and your heads bowed, I want to ask, is, is there one person in the room that says, you know what, hearing it this way, I'm a little bit concerned with my eternal destination, and I would like to make Jesus Lord of my life today. Is there one person that would, uh, would, would like to pray and ask God to, to make himself real to you today. And thank you guys. There's people here that have made commitment to God. We've come down the altar and, and we've put out that ring on his finger and we've gone home and we have abandoned him. And, and we've said, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm, the honeymoon stage is worn off, I'm kind of done now. And, and, and you know that that's wrong. You know that you need to restore that relationship with him. You know you need to remake those vows to him. If that's you today, why don't you raise your hand? I appreciate your honesty, you guys. Uh, It means nothing that I know. It means everything that he knows. And he, it says that whoever denies him in front of man, he's going to deny them in front of the Father. And whoever um, claims God in front of man, uh, God is going to claim them in front of his father. And so you guys raising your hands symbolizes that you're, you are, I'm, I'm claiming Jesus. But now that you've claimed him in the privacy of your heart and before me, now it means nothing that you feel conviction in your heart until you start acting on the word of God, the, the, the truth that it holds. Lord, I thank you so much, God, for everyone that's here. God, I pray, Lord, that you help me, God. Help me in my relationship, God, with, with you, Lord. Help me, God, to throw off sin that I once loved, God. Help me to not continue in the life that I once loved, Lord. God, I, I need you to forgive me, Lord, of all the sins, God, that I've committed in this last week. God, help me, Lord. Help me, God, to be stay a man that fears you, God, that loves you, that encounters you daily, God. Lord, I pray for every hand that was raised today, whether it was a first time or whether, Lord, they've they've made vows to you, God. But they're just—it's been—it's been tough. Whether it was the worries, whether it was the pleasures, whether it was the wealth, just gotten a little, gotten us a little bit distracted, God. I just pray that you help us, God, to take this, Lord, take this message as a sign, as a sign of I'm calling you out right now, and I want a relationship with you. I want I want you to be real with me, and I want I want to. It says that those who, those who obey him, it, Jesus says that I will disclose myself to them. I'm going to show myself to them. If you want more of God, if you want to know him more, he will show himself to you when we obey him, when we love him. So if you want to spend some time at the altars, I want to open up the altars to anyone who needs prayer. I will pray for you. Uh, if you want to pray by yourself, um, that's fine too. But I'll, I want us to, to remember, guys, this Resurrection Sunday, he is alive and he lives in every believer. But but that payment was real. That payment was really real. And, and let's not trample his blood by just walking out of here and forgetting in two seconds. Let's remember, let's honor him, okay? God bless you.